praise you. Just bow your heads for a moment just to allow yourself to think about the fact that you're not alone. That in the midst of your most difficult circumstance you face today, um, that there is someone that is with you. The Word declares that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Doesn't mean that your journey won't have difficulties. It does not mean there won't be bumps in the road, but what it means is that in the midst of the fire, that in the midst of the flood, that He's going to be there to provide you with that peace and that security that you need. We need those reminders that we're not alone. Father, we pray your blessing over the remainder of our service. We thank you for this time of worship. Father, even as uh, we were singing today, that this is uh, is a tool of battle that we utilize to strengthen us, to empower us, to walk and to live differently. Thank you for our worship team leading us in this. Help us to walk it out now as we continue on with our service. And we thank you. We ask for this in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you just to shake another person's hand, greet somebody else you haven't seen yet today, and uh, then have a seat. And then Madison's going to be coming and sharing for just a few minutes. my friend Yo-Yo. He's hanging out with me today. So, that's what he gets. Um, All right. So, I am Madison, for anyone that doesn't know. But um, I'm going to Trinidad. I leave on the 11th of September. Um, And then I will be back all the way in December. All the way in December. I'll be back in December 
I'm going for into Trinidad for the School of Global Leadership for Missionary School because um, I got a big old heart for missions and for kids. Obviously, no secret there. Um, I really want to love on kids everywhere, here and all around the world. So I'm going there, and I am still fundraising. So today we're having spaghetti after church, and you can give me money. I don't know who, who do they give you money to? Make it out to the church. Make it out to the church, and then give it to Pastor Ralph. No. No. Give it in the box up out there. You can, you can put it in the box out there or we'll have a donation basket downstairs. So there is no cost for the meal today. It is all donation, but it's just raising funds. Just showing how much you love me. So I don't want to make it Show a competition, but you can choose. <laughs> um, yes, I have a big heart for missions and I've, allowed my, I've not allowed myself. I, I have obeyed God for that calling and I am going and I'll be gone for three months and then I'll be back to make sure you're all still doing what you're supposed to. Amen. Now, Open Bible um, has started this school of leadership down in, uh, in Trinidad. One of the things that Open Bible realized was um, that they needed some um, real-life experience for their missionaries that are going out to feel a lot of times um, we had students going into Bible college, getting a four-year degree, doing all this stuff, preparation, and um, unless you have a lot of money, it is hard to come out of Bible college without debt. And um, most missionaries don't make a lot of money um, because they're going to a very, most of them are going to a very impoverished area. And so Open Bible has been coming up with new ways of training missionaries and doing things so that they can still get an education, they can still become, uh, you know, get the tools they need, but they won't have the debt load. And so um, this, the total cost of the trip is 30, 3500 something like that, $3,500 for three months, so, um, which is not much for a three-month mission you know, training event, and so uh, this is setting the stage, and Madison's one of our own. How long have you been in the church here? Uh, Twelve years, so she has, uh, you know, most of her life has been here, and it's something that we have the ability to invest in her. Um, we send money um, at different times uh, around the world for things, and, and this is a good thing to invest in. So I encourage you to come and to sow into this, and uh, fellowship, it's always good. And Tabby made chocolate chip cookies, so it like multiplies the... Uh... Amen. Praise God. All right, um, we've been dealing with Gideon, uh, the mighty man of valor, um, and if we remember uh, throughout the last uh, three weeks to a month, Gideon was found where? In the wine press. In the wine press. He was hiding. God called him out, not for who he was being, but who God saw him to be. So uh, has God ever called any of you out for who he saw you to be and not who you were being at the moment? You know, um, I, I've shared portions of my story. God called me out as a uh, six, 16-year-old farm boy who uh, didn't have a full grasp of the English language. Um, 
You know, I spark farm boy ease. Um, you sometimes got to the point as quick as possible with as few words and sometimes as few syllables, syllabus, or syllabi as possible. You know, you just, you got there. Um, and uh, so I think it's important for us to understand as we look at Gideon, this wasn't something that he had been preparing for. This was something God saw in him. God saw his potential. And I believe that there is more untapped potential in all of you than you've given God opportunity to utilize. And what we're, what we're seeing in Madison is the beginning of God tapping into some of that potential. Now last year, it was last year, right, that you went for a month? Two years ago. Wow, two years ago. Two years ago, Madison and Shelby went for a month down to Trinidad. And so this was the next step in that process of, of training and preparation. And so, uh, um, and it's hard when you leave for three months and you give up. Um, now, Trinidad is, it's not, you know, as bad as some areas. And yet it's, you know, it's still some challenges that will be experienced along the way. A lot of work. Um, you're, you're doing a lot of ministry. Open Bible has a huge following of churches in Trinidad who there are the the churches in Trinidad are the primary supporters of this ministry there and so it's unusual to have a a nation like that which isn't a large nation for space but they have a lot of open bible churches that provide the support uh, of this ministry training center because they and there are a lot of other nations that come to Trinidad so even while Madison's there and getting this training, she's going to have exposure to people from literally all over the world, which is great. But God is tapping into some of that potential that he already knew was present, and Madison's just taking that next step of faith out. Last week as we were talking about Gideon, we were talking about that um, God had called Gideon and the house of Israel to clean house. He was calling them to um, get rid of all the things that were getting in the way of them accomplishing what God had called them to do. Now, I think that's true of all of us. We have things that are in the way of us becoming who God wants us to be. And then the last aspect that we talked about last week was God was calling Gideon to a walk of faith that would challenge how he saw life. And I think the truth is, every time that we come to a place of, of following Jesus Christ, that that experience, that decision will challenge how we view life from that day forward. So when we begin to look at the situations of our lives differently, then God is able to move and to do things differently for us. So that leads us to our passage today, and we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 7, verses 8 through 22. And it says this, So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. Notice the things that he collected. The provisions, the ram's horns of the other warriors. He didn't talk about their weapons. Our message today is no ordinary battle. So I want us to pay attention to that as we go forward. So the Midian camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, 
get up, go down into the Midian camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the, other, and the peoples of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like, were like grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His his companion answered, Your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and his allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horn, blow your horns, too, all around the entire camp, and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horn and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and and broke their jars. They held the ablazing torches in their hand, left hands, and their horns in their right hands. They all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon! Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianite rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their horns, ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Bethshedah near Zerah and the border of Abimelah near Tabith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your word, for it informs how we understand and how we need to see life. I pray that you would give us wisdom today and we ask for this in your name. Amen. It is understandable to deal with fear in the midst of overwhelmingly challenging and difficult times. (laughs) Yesterday, I was out mowing the front of my area. We've had this work ongoing for a while and had an area that had become overgrown because of where the city was working. And uh, I uh, ran over with my mower a nest of hornets or bees or something. One hit me in the face and one uh, happened to drop down my tank top and caught me in the back And before I got away from them. And, uh, and you know, you understand the fear. And I didn't have my glasses on. I had no idea what was hitting me. You know, I couldn't see anything. I'm just running, you know, left my mower. Uh, praise God they shut off now these days when you let go of the handle. But, uh, um, you know, I was, just, I was just, there was that immediate fear. What in the world have I gotten into? And then you're running. 
When we come into a situation that catches us off guard, it is easy for us to become overwhelmed with fear. It's also easy for us to give up when you have some, an encounter such as that. It's easy for us to say, well, I'm not going back and doing that again. And what we need to understand is in the midst of those difficult situations, we need to continue to do what we have been assigned to do. See, sometimes we present the Christian life and how it is supposed to be and that we should walk it out perfectly every day. But the reality is we don't. We fall short. The journey and someday, we are on a journey and some days on that journey we do things right and some days we don't. As much as I'd like to tell you that I always um, do everything that I'm supposed to do in a given day, I know there are days I fall short. And the longer I walk with God, I'm thankful that there there are less days that I fall short in those areas than there were when I started. But sometimes we present this picture like, man, we should all have this down. There should be no problem. But, but we fall short. We have a day. Has anybody ever had a day they woke up and it just did not go the way you started? Okay. I've had a few of those days happen in my life. And uh, this last week I was driving um, over uh, on the other side of Trotwood. Actually, it's coming back from my daughter's house. And all of a sudden my, this light come on on my Jeep. And the vehicle goes from 55 to 25. Um, and, and it's something built into it that the vehicle goes into what's called limp mode when this light comes on so you don't damage your engine. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And, and I know I've got a warranty on it, so I have to get it from where I'm at to only 10 miles away um, to the Jeep dealership. And at 25 miles per hour, I start taking even more back roads to get there. So I'm thinking, Lord, what in the world is going on? I've got things to do, places to go, and I can't get there like this. So I quickly call my wife. She was already getting ready to leave and go somewhere. She redirects and comes there to get me, um, meet me at the dealership. And she had a half hour to get there. And it's like, it's going to take me that long to get there. So uh, we're not in a hurry. We get there. I drop off my vehicle. Next day, I don't get a call end of the day it still they hadn't done anything next day they didn't do anything so I'm st- I'm without a vehicle and and for you who know me I'm gone I'm just not a sedentary person I'm always moving doing things which I enjoy so now I don't have my vehicle I'm stuck and I'm just trying to figure out what is next things don't go well I had a long conversation with one of their managers and I'm trying to be respectful of people's times and And I had to remember that even though the day might not be going the way I wanted, that I still have to honor God in the midst of it. See, I I remember probably much longer ago where I might have been a little more disrespectful to the, the company, to the dealership, for not calling me and telling me what's going on in my vehicle. Um, But... I've grown in my relationship with God now. And just as God has loads of grace that He pours out on me, I have to be gracious towards other people. God actually requires that of me. Now, when you look at this situation here, and as Gideon is talking to his people, God had 
God had called Gideon into battle. I remember, if you remember from last week, Gideon had, or from a few weeks ago, Gideon had dwindled down his army of 22,000 down to 300 people. And he was going up against a, an estimated army between the three, you know, the people of the East, Amalekek, and the Midianites, somewhere up, they're estimating about 200,000 people. 300 against 200,000. I mean, if in our, in our reading of the passage, it says the camels alone uh, were like the sea, you know, sands on the seashore. That's a lot of camels. More than the person could count. So they, that's overwhelming. And God said to Gideon, listen, I want you to get up even if you doubt me to this point, I want to send you, I want to give you this little bit of encouragement. I want to give you this little bit of encouragement. I want you to sneak down to I want you to sneak down to the camp with your servant and listen to what they're saying. And God gave him a glimpse that he had already planted in the, the hearts and minds of the people that Gideon was going to be victorious. See, God was continuing to work with Gideon to bring about the deliverance of the children of Israel. But he, he was extending grace just as he does with us. He was extending grace. He was ex extending mercy. See, God's desire was for the children of Israel to be free. That's always God's desire. For some reason, we like finding our way back to captivity. It's one of the problems the children of Israel had been experiencing. There was one time as God had led them out of captivity in the midst of this journey to freedom, they began to reminisce about the good old days when they had three meals. <laughs> but they were slaves. Reminiscing of the good old days. For some reason, their minds were... This, it is not easy to walk in freedom. It's easy to walk in slavery. Because everybody tells you what to think and feel and believe, and you just get up and do what's next. But we have to understand God's desire is for us to walk in freedom. Now, I've, I've had the... You know the ability, the privilege to be able to work in different jails at uh, you know at different places from Oregon to South Dakota and and even here now and and one of the things that I, is unfortunate that I've found is sometimes you have these career criminals that they are in prison, they're in jail for a period of time, and they get out and they immediately commit another crime because it was easier being incarcerated. Because they have, they have a bed. They have heat. They have food. They don't have to think about anything. Now, it's, it's so far outside of the realm of thought for most of us because you're in jail. You're in bondage. You're, you have no freedom. But see, reality is, anytime we walk in any level of addiction, we're not free. We're enslaved to that thing. And if we give into it, that thing owns us. 
and it will control our lives. We, if we want to walk in freedom, it requires decisions every single day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It requires us to walk in a level of conscious decision making that we don't enter back into those things that brought us into slavery. But God was working with Gideon to prepare him for the upcoming battle. And this battle was not going to be like any battle that he had ever been part of before. And I think we need to understand, in order for us to be victorious today, we cannot fight the battles of life the way we used to. We cannot deal with a challenge. And, you're th- and I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm not going to war anytime soon. Have any of you ever been in an argument or a fight with your spouse or your children? Okay, some of you are much better at this living this life out than I am. But uh, there are different ways to handle a fight. Now, many times the common method that people utilize is they bring up past offenses when they have a good heated argument going on. So it's, you know, it becomes this back and forth. Well, you did, well, you did. And we start talking about all of our shortcomings in life rather than us coming to a point of, of prayer and dealing with the problem at hand. And then we unleash more cans of worms, bringing those into the situation. And that is one way to fight a battle. Or we can pray. I, I love that one of the songs that Meredith had, you know, talked about, you know, our weapons are not ordinary weapons. Second Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 4 through 15 really speak through this, or excuse me, 4 and 5. I, for some reason, I put an extra one in there. We're just two verses for you. Um, I don't know if I have it on the screen there. It's 4 through 15. I do. So it's not. It's just 4 and 5. Um, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now the New Living Translation, I love how it phrases this. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So many of the battles we fight today are strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments. And if we want to be victorious... We have to fight these strongholds in our lives. I have been able to watch people encounter things that they never realized was a stronghold until it was brought to light through um, someone speaking into their life a spiritual message. And then they're aware, wow, this has been a stronghold in my life and I never realized it. Sometimes image um, uh, this, this ability that we as uh, people have to degrade the image we have is a stronghold. We, we are so good, unfortunately, about saying about how bad we are, 
how worthless we are, how this is, you know, God can never do this, how God can never do this in me, how I will never be. And it's all this, this negative talk about who we are. And yet, Scripture says that um, we were created in God's image. That we are wonderfully and fearfully made. How in the world can we speak so harshly about who God made us to be and still honor the Word of God as it says we were fearfully and wonderfully made, created in His image? God does not make mistakes. And it is time that we confront the stronghold that is preventing us from becoming who God has called us to be. And it is not going to be done through us beating ourselves up. It's going to be done through us beginning to change as we talked about last week. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, in order to confront the strongholds of of our thought process, we have to change the way we think. Now, many things that we experience in technology and in the world are really an extension of what's been going on in the world. For instance number of years, I don't know how many years ago, I mean, I remember back when I was in high school learning to uh, program a computer uh, on a TRS-80. Some of you don't even know what that is, but that used to be a computer. Um, it was small, and, it, and you t- programmed in basic, this was in high school, basic language, and then you start advancing beyond that. Um, and at that stage, you know, there wasn't a lot of viruses out there that affected those computers. But as the computers became more and more um, uh, user-friendly and more prevalent in society, um, people in their devious nature began to create viruses that would affect your computer, it would impact, it would cause it to crash. It would cause it to um, maybe even copy all of your information. See, the, we have in, individuals in this world that their whole plan is to bring destruction into your life that's it's, that's it that's the only benefit that it is it's just bringing harm to you and see and that's really an extension of what the enemy has come to do scripture tells us that satan has uh, come into this world to kill to steal and to destroy so what we see him doing is continuing to work in the lives of other individuals to bring that into our life someone will come into our uh, our path in a given day and he'll tell us how worthless we were or how much of a mistake we were and and he is just propagating the message of the enemy and we need to take that stronghold and not allow those thoughts to continue any longer because god doesn't want us to view that way we are not a mistake But if we give the enemy space, he will take that which he has spoken over us and become part of us. Now, if you have ever been part of the military process, how many military people do we have here? People who have spent time in any other branch of the military. Look at all those. We we thank you for your service. Uh, It's an honor to have you. But the military process, when they take you through basic training, their, their initial thought process is to break you down 
in your way of thinking and doing and builds you up into becoming a, a unit that is able to operate and act upon a command. Because they want, when they give a command, they want everyone to do that at the same time. They don't want you to question it. They want you to become individuals who simply, that you do what you're commanded to do. You don't even think about it. That's their process. Build, break you down, build you up. Because when you're in battle and they say to fire, they don't want you to start questioning, well, why am I firing? What, the, what is this all about? They just want you to obey. Because they know they're going to be greater in, in effectiveness and success when you learn to obey all their commands. And they have their entire force doing that. See, for some reason, we skip that part as somebody comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Scripture talks about us being the army of God, but we miss that, that part where people are trained how to be attentive to the voice of God, how to listen and obey that which God has told them to do. And so that when God speaks, we question, well, is that God speaking or is that me? Did God really say that? It sounds like something else somebody ever you know, said in the Scripture. Did God really tell you not to eat that fruit? And then we question things that we know God said because we've not been trained in this level of obedience. And God wants us to learn to walk in obedience. God is not bringing us to a place of destruction. He's not bringing us to a place of, of death. He's bringing us to a place of life. God's desire is to bring us to, into a place where we will feel, fulfill our calling with Him. But it means that you need to be willing to obey when he speaks. And that's what he's working with Gideon. That's what he's working with the children of Israel. He's working at reformatting their thought processes. He's working at preparing them for battle. And he told Gideon what to do to get up to go there and to see that God had already planted in the minds of the people that Gideon was going to be victorious. This is a great promise. Verse 9 says, get up, go down into the camp, for I've given you victory over them. God was speaking the truth into Gideon's life. Victory was already his. Church, do you understand that victory is yours already? You, you don't have to pray that God give you victory. You have to walk in it. Revelation 2.26 says, To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. Romans 8.35 and 39, through 39 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More. Now how can you become more than a conqueror? It's not that you're a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our Lord. Paul says that when we are in Christ, He empowers us. The victory is ours. That when we walk in obedience, 
that he will grant us authority to live and to be who he's called us to be. We will be more than conquerors. God is aware of the battle that's going on. Verses 10 and 11 talk about that. He says, listen, I know that you are fearful of what you see. But I want to give you a glimpse into the mind of the enemy. So Gideon crept down there. They, he heard about the dream. And I, and I love what we see there. God had planted that thought there. And God began to do something in Gideon. See, the church, the enemy already knows he's defeated. He already understands that he's going to lose. The problem is we don't always understand that. We may know it, but we don't live it. For him, it's the knowledge that he's defeated, but whether we know, excuse me, for, for the enemy, it's not the knowledge that he's defeated, but whether we know it, whether we realize it, whether we live it. When Gideon realized the truth, Scripture says that he bowed in worship. The proper response for us when we when full realization of what God has said is true is for us to bow and worship. I believe even as we experienced in worship today, sometimes individuals that are writing these songs have the ability to capture a thought in Scripture that better uh, help us to understand what God is saying. And sometimes when that full realization of God's message becomes evident in our life, the response that should happen from us is to bow and worship God and say, God, I am so sorry that I have missed this. I am so sorry that I have not honored you in this. I'm so sorry that I've allowed all these other things to get in the way. Thank you for what you've brought to my realization today. Thank you that you were consistent in sharing your message with me so that I would understand and experience what you have for me. So Gideon, he goes down, he hears the prophecy, and he tells the children of Israel, he tells his 300 men, he said, listen, I want you to keep your eyes on me. This is no ordinary battle. Gideon wanted to make sure the, the 300 warriors that they did not get caught up in looking at 200,000 men, army, that they were fighting against. You know, God is so good. He has them go, you know, just as, you know, towards the middle of the night there. It's a, it's a great time, you know, God's doing. They've got the torches, you know, they've got the jars. It's it's. it's it's one of those standard methods of battle, right? You carry a clay jar, a torch, and a ram's horn. That's how we go into battle, right? No swords. You, you know, God didn't have them prepare with any weapons. Um, they didn't have camels to ride in on. Um, a clay jar. You know, Scripture refers to us as a, many times as a clay vessel. When you start looking at some of these things that are referred to in Scripture, you know, we are looked at as this clay vessel. And, and one of the things as they prepare to go into battle is they break this vessel. And uh, we have to be a broken vessel for God to use. You know, if we go into this process of, of dealing with the problems and challenges of life um, in our full understanding, not willing to be fractured for Christ. Many times it's difficult for us to be successful. 
So God has him prepare with these unusual methods of battle. And yet, in the midst of it, God brought about tremendous victory. In the midst of it, when the the clay pots were broken. In the midst of it, when the torches were raised. In the midst of it, when the shouts came out for God and for Gideon, that there was such a panic in the, the Midian camp that they began, I, I just can't even fathom the amount of panic that must have been present, that they literally took their swords and began to kill each other. God is so amazing that that battle that was overwhelming, difficult to even comprehend, was fought without them having to lift a hand. Simply by them honoring and obeying God. When battle comes up, how are we going to approach it today? See, God brought victory to the children of Israel when they learned what obedience was and they yielded to it. And I believe that's true for all of us. Victory will only come in our lives when we learn to walk in obedience to what God has called us to do. When we yield our rights to Him. Yelling, screaming, eating, viewing, whatever it is, whatever it is that God is speaking to you about, because see, when God is calling us to walk in obedience, God could tell you to quit eating, overeating, He could quit tell you, He could tell you quit yelling all the time. Do you realize yelling is a problem? That sometimes we deal with the problems of our life by yelling at each other, or yelling at those we love. Um, that viewing, you know, One of the number one problems for either male or female today in marriage relationships in life today is is viewing pornography. It's an overwhelming problem. God is maybe telling you to stop viewing things. He may may tell you that you need to quit being alone. He may tell you that you need to quit doing something that is bringing destruction. Shopping. You know, it could be your problem. And if I hit yours, it's not because I'm looking at you. But we need to understand, I, I read this some time ago, and I thought it was great for us. If we always do what we've always done, we will get what we've always got. So at some point, if you don't change how you're dealing with life, how you're dealing with the parenting, man, parenting is a challenge. I know you got a lot of you out there that have small kids. And let me just tell you, parenting is a challenge. Every one of my kids, all four of them, were different. I could not parent any one of them the same way. It just, you know, when Tia was young, punishing her by having her stay in her room was not punishment. Man, she'd go in there and she could read books for hours and hours. That was, you know, that wasn't punishment. But if I told her that I was unhappy with her, man, that would bring tears to her eyes. Amen. You understand that, huh, Madison? She would rather me spank her. Now, actually, all my children would probably rather me just get it over and spank them and not deal. But you have to learn that that's not the best form of of dealing with a problem all the time. 
Every one of them are different. And you have to treat every situation differently. But if you're, if you're struggling with the result, you have to look at what you're doing to bring about that result. And if you're still doing the same thing, you're probably going to keep getting the same answer. See, something has to change. And the only thing you have control of in this situation is you. I cannot change Nancy. She is going to be who God called her to be. But it does, let me just tell you, it doesn't do me good, any good to pray that God would change her. <laughs> That's a problem in and of itself. That's a whole nother message. God hasn't called me to pray that God would change my wife. God's called for me to change. Just because my glasses say that her, she is the problem doesn't make it right. Have any of you have ever had a bad prescription before? I'm glad. Some of you, praise God, you don't have glasses. Man, praise God for that. As I said yesterday when I couldn't see the bees that were hitting me, that's a problem. Um, I, I, I become reliant upon my glasses if I want to see anything, if I want to read anything. If I don't care what's going on in the small spaces of life, I don't need glasses. You know? But it's when you need to see those fine details. Well, I found that if you have the wrong prescription, yeah, you create more problems. Now, I'm a self-diagnoser. Um, I, I'll be honest, you know, up until... Three years ago, I never went to the eye doctor to prescribe, give me a prescription. I just went to reading glasses and found one that worked. And as my vision got worse, I'd go back. But when I went to the doctor, he said, you're actually over-prescribing. You're creating more problems. And so we're good at self-diagnosis. But you know, Scripture says that he is the great physician. <laughs> and that if we go to him, he'll actually diagnose the problem. And we can deal with it effectively. See, we are able to change us. I can't change my children. I don't want to, really. There are times I've wanted them to be different. But when it comes down to it, I really don't want them to. I want them to be who God wants. I don't want my whole house to be like me. We would be a mess. We would. You know, God needs us all to be unique. He needs us each to be who we were made to be. That's what makes us a great church, is each one of you have something different to bring to the body to make us unique. But the, the issue is, you need to take responsibility for you. Because that's the only thing you can change. You need to change how you approach the battle. Change how you approach the battle. You need to start taking a different path. If a certain path that you have walked into a fight, you know, if you know, how many of you have ever been a gone for a day or whatever, you've been at work or whatever, and you knew that a battle was brewing before you left? And that when you got home, there was going to be a fight. And you thought about it all day. Okay? We need to change how we approach the fight. If we continue that, that thought process the way it's going and we go into the, the, 
the home that day, approaching this, that it's going to be a battle of minds, we're going to have a difficult time. That's the, the next thing is change how we think. And those two really work hand in hand, is changing how we think. How we approach the battle and how we think really are critical to us changing uh, some of the things that are going on in life. That Romans 12, 2 passage talks about reformatting our minds, changing how we think. We have to start getting a greater picture in our minds of what God wants to do and how He wants to approach the situation. If you know a battle is brewing, if you change how you're thinking, if you change how you approach the battle, and rather than coming with a sword, you come with a ram's horn. Ram's horn were traditional things, not only for the sounding of a beginning of a battle, but for the entrance into worship. They blew the ram's horn. And if you bring a worshipful presence into the battle, God is able to go in and do things that we never could have done on our own so we have to change how we approach the battle we have to change how we think think peace think grace don't think about well i was right you know you have a couple options in life you can choose to live life always being right (laughs) and let me just be honest with you the odds of you always being right are pretty slim that may crush your, your whole demeanor right now, but, but the reality is we're not always right. But we can approach life where we are always right. Or that we are going to do what we can, as Scripture says, to, lead, to live peaceably with all men. And that means those people we live with at home too. So if you want, if you want peace at home, then you have to make sure you approach that situation differently because when we change how we approach battle when we change how we think then and we change how we respond that's our next one i know some of you are arguing over what it's going to be how you respond because you know what let's be honest one or two one person in the argument may not be at the same place you are But you cannot have an argument unless two people are going at it. And eventually, if you choose not to yell, if you choose not to engage the argument, and you sit peaceably praying, God has the ability to bring peace. But you have to change how you respond. That you're not going to fuel the fire. Some people I have found in life, and it's unfortunate, they like a good fire. And they bring fodder for the fire on purpose. They bring some extra tender. They want to make sure they can get this this fire roaring just for the sake of having the fire. But we have to change how we approach, how we think, how we respond. And this will bring a change in the outcome. And that's what this is all about. It's changing the outcome. For Gideon... Victory was theirs. God had already said, listen, victory is yours. I've already given it to you. Just honor me. Do what I've told you to do. If God gets you up in the middle of the night and He says, listen, I want you to go into the other room and I want you to worship and pray, then you better get up and worship and pray. How long? 
until he tells you to stop. Sometimes we think when God tells us that, he's just wanting five minutes. God, I'll give you my customary five minutes. That's what I normally set aside for you today. And God's saying, no. Now, my wife was better at this than I am. If our kids were sick, man, she'd be up with them all night long. I could be in there with them, but I'd be sleeping part of the way through it. My wife would be singing and just patting them, and she just was, she was amazing at that, you know. That doesn't speak less of me because I was sleeping while they were sick. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just different. We just fought battles differently. Um, but it is that level of determination that we need to, until God releases us. In the, in the Old Testament, uh, or even in the, not in the Old Testament, sorry, in the old days, I should say, there was this process of tarrying at the altar, this process of, of waiting until God showed up. They wouldn't leave the altar until God showed up. We need to embrace a portion of that when God leads us to, to go and start praying and seeking Him. That we learn to wait until God releases us. And then when we sin, God is aware of your schedule. You know God, God wants you to be honorable with your job. God's not going to tell you, hey, you're, just gonna, you're not going to go into work today. Um, you're just going to forget about that because that's not important. No, God, would, God says to do all things as unto Him. God doesn't want you to have a bad reputation at work. Now, God may say, listen, I want you to take a week off. I know you have vacation. Take a week off and we're going to spend some time in prayer. Okay, God's scheduling that. God's a good scheduler. He really is. But when God gets you up in the middle of the night to pray, pray until God gives you a release. Worship until God gives you a release. And if you go to work in the midst of your time of praying, it's going to be okay. But I'm just telling you, we have to change our approach. We have to change how we think, how we respond to the battles of life. And that will change the outcome that we get. This is no ordinary battle. You're not in an ordinary army. The reality is you're already victorious. The victory is God's. You're just walking in victory. And so I'm going to challenge you to change how you approach the battles that you're facing from here on out. Can you do that with me? All right. We're going to pray. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offering. Actually, I'll probably receive the offering and then our pray and receive the offering, pray over all of them together because um, I believe you can do this on your own today. And we're going to go down and enjoy a great food because I stopped down during worship and checked on the food and it is looking good. We're going to have a great... Now, you may not have been aware that we had a meal going on today. It's okay. Stay. Come down. Worship with us. Um, we're... we're my goal um, for this uh, fundraising meal is $1,500. So, I, you know, that's nothing. That's nothing. We can do that. So I just ch- I'm challenging you to, to give today for our meal downstairs for our fundraising event. 
Now, that's not your tithe and offering and stuff. That, that can be the offering portion, but your tithe goes to the church. That's, just, that's, that's how the church functions. But this is a different offering that we take, and so I just want to encourage you. We've got our offering prayer. I'm going to invite you to stand with us. We're going to read this prayer together, and then we're going to read um, a passage of Scripture, and then our, offers, our ushers will take up the offering. As I give in today's offering, I have faith in the all-knowing God I serve. He knows everything, and His knowledge is totally true and accurate. There is nothing too hard for Him. He is never surprised. God has a clear understanding of my life, my problems, my challenges, and my resources. God knows how to take care of me. Oh Lord, You have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Amen. Ushers, you are released to receive your offering. And then as they go by you, I'm going to encourage you. You can greet people around you, but I want to encourage you to head downstairs and prepare for our lunch in there oh uh, thank you miss elaine um we do not have anyone set up to speak for tonight and our next time would actually be labor day so we're actually going to i'm going to give you a reprieve the next this one in september 1st we're not going to have any sessions um, for our evening stuff we will pick up that middle of september and we'll get going with our sunday evening every other week so that way you guys jp and sherry are i'm sure many of you are aware they're down in kentucky uh, her grandmother passed away uh, last uh, weekend and so we're they're down there for the service today and we want to keep them in prayer uh, but we will pick up with our service our sunday evening services again in the middle of september God bless you, love on one another, and head downstairs for our fellowship.